Welcome again to this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. I'm Kristen, and as always, joined around the table by Randy Bezet. We felt like you needed a Randy Bezet today. I needed, I needed the whole thing. You needed today. a whole name. I like today. that. That can lead us into a great conversation. Is it Bezet? Is it Bezet? Do you know I have heard your family members? use it different ways. Kristen, we could do a whole podcast on this. We might, we might should. At but least. today is Randy Bezet. Bezet. That's, exactly. that's how I said it. So that's how it's going to be. But you're doing well, ready for yeah, today's, uh, doing today's great. conversation. I'm doing great. Uh, I, I love having these conversations with leaders. Uh, I know how enriching it is to me yes. when I have these kinds of, we quote, green, green room, room conversations. Yeah. And it's always so empowering to me. And uh, so I hope it is today. And of course, the topic is, I think is probably one of the most important topics in the church. Yes. And then it's something that I really enjoy. Yep. It's this whole idea of culture and what's happening today and how do we navigate that as leaders in our church. So I, I can't wait to get into it right uh, now. You can't honestly. like stop talking. No, let's, let's, I really, I can't wait. Let's this talk go. going to be great. Go. It is. It's going to be great. And we brought a great friend of yours uh, who's joining us around the table for the conversation today. Pastor John Siebling, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Doing fantastic. Uh, Kristen, thank you very much. And Randy BZ. I've only heard you say Randy BZ. I've never heard See? any anything. Some, I've never some any of them will say Bazette. I've never heard that. I've no. only heard you and Rick both say Bezet. So uh, yeah. that's all I know. I don't know who Randy Bezet is. I know who Randy Bezet is. And <laughs> well, that's all you need to know. But apparently I'm bad <laughs> in the culture of my own family to make sure they know how to say Bezet. I just disqualified myself for this entire conversation. Well, I'm I'm honored to uh, be on the podcast with you guys and uh, look look forward to a good conversation. It is, it is going to be so good. And uh, for those of you that maybe don't know, John, John and your wife, Leslie, you guys launched and planted a church in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, that now you guys are, are all over the world, really. Yes? Like We are, actually. The last few years have been a real uh, exciting kind of expansion. We, we, you know, we lived on the mission field for three years before we started the church, which is 26 years ago. Crazy. Okay. But uh and so we always had a heart for the world, always had a heart for different cultures and kind of felt about three years ago or so that we would be doing some unique expansion. And so here we go. You know, we're trying to figure it out and not mess it up. And it's a just big grand experiment, I think. So we'll see what happens. Try not to mess it up. That's a that's a good thing to try to do. But you already messed that up a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, me being involved messed it up, right? That's, oh, that's, I doubt that. That's the hey, reality. <laughs> listen, leaders, let me just tell you something that John and his wife, Leslie, known them for a long time, Louisiana roots. There we go. We got to stick together. But um, but he pastors a phenomenal church. He's a great leader. Yes. The really, life church. The, the, in case you're in case you're Googling him. It's full of life. Uh, what I like about John is his prophetic voice into things. He sees yeah. things that other people do not see and speaks to them from the heart of God in a prophetic way. And he's got the coolest podcast radio voice Does have ever. A good, just, you got a good I just want to listen voice. to this dude, man. <laughs> well, I did radio when I was in college. I actually flew in an airplane above Baton Rouge and did traffic reports uh, morning and morning 
and drive time uh monday through oh, friday so have a little, little, radio, little radio experience it was fun coming at you from the skies of baton rouge it's <laughs> drive time with jean Siebling. <laughs> And look, hey, if you live in Baton Rouge, you know they got bad traffic in Baton Rouge. Let me just tell you that yeah, right they now. They do, absolutely. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, John, we are so glad to have you uh, on the podcast today. And let's jump in because the topic at hand really is, as you said, Randy, a very hot topic, if you will. Um, and it's very relevant uh, to, to churches all across the world, really, uh, but especially here in our, our nation as culture uh, has, has continued to shift. It's always changing. Um, but even over the last couple of years, we've seen it impact and influence the church in ways that it it hasn't in a while um and and so today we're going to really talk about how is it that we can pastor and lead uh, our staff and our leaders well through these these culture shifts and changes and and ultimately you know i kind of wanted to kick off the conversation with with just a really broad question of what are you guys doing right now to maybe to maybe differently than you have ever done um to pastor your staff and help them keep a biblical worldview in this culture that is constantly changing constantly redefining constantly challenging the word of god um and we're seeing it impact staff members we're seeing it impact christians so so let's just kick it off there and we'll see where the conversation goes but what are you doing right now am i first randy yeah, I want to hear your voice, baby. I need to hear your wisdom. I got my, my notes ready to go. I think, um, you know, I mean, it's a big question, but just like, let me kind of attack it maybe from a couple different angles. I mean, I think the reality is, um, if you do a little study in world history, there have been some other periods in history that were as sure. bad and dark as the times that we're living in right now. I mean, ancient Rome, some of the debauchery and you know, sexualization and perversion. So um, I think it's like, you know, what the Bible says, nothing, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, but it, it is a new reality for us. I mean, because in the United States, I think, you know, you think about the fifties and, you know, um, just some of the kind of happy days, you know, the good old times. And, um, uh, you know, I think, you know, there's been periods of time that, that uh, Christian values were, were, were celebrated and respected. And I think that is, 100% changing. I did a, I did an interview, a radio interview about six years ago in 2016. I had released a book. And so the person um, asked me a question, she said, uh, which is totally off topic, it wasn't related to the book at all. But she said, as a Christian leader, uh, who's leading a large church and 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 who's involved in 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 the movement that we're involved with Randy, the, the ark, she said, what what do you what do you see as the biggest threats to Christianity? In the United States, and I was like, I, I was, I didn't know what to, I didn't even have an answer. I, I you know, uh, I was speechless. It was not the, you know, again, it was not on topic. But I got off that interview, and I, I thought a lot about that question, and it actually has kind of formed a little exercise for me that I do every year, at the beginning of the year, do a little research, and you know, not only our church, but but you know, being involved in church with, with churches across the country, you know, what are, what are those threats? And so I have a little list that I kind of keep up with and it changes sometimes from year to year, but it, you know, the last couple of years, it's been pretty much 
pretty much the same. And, and I think at the top of the list, and they're not necessarily in any order of importance, but I think it's this, this um, increased hostility toward Christian values. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's the, the cancel culture and all the other things have intensified it to the point where you you can't even you can't even hardly say anything, uh, you know, about truth or the Bible or Christianity without just, I mean, just full on hostility. You can't even debate, really. There's no even there's no even opportunity for apologetics and debate. Right. Yeah. Uh, because it's just like uh, and I, I think that that is creating a real um, anxiety in the lives of the generations that are coming up because they're seeing the kind of rejection and the cancel culture. And just by taking any sort of stand for any truth that it's creating, you could say in some ways it's creating strength in the lives of younger people, but it's Mm -hmm. also creating a lot more fear and anxiety. Um, I think the second thing is the second threat. Can I just go down this list? I'll just. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm waiting. (laughs) Okay. All right. The second thing I think uh, in my, these are now see, these are my opinions, right? And this is not an exhaustive list, but I think the second threat of Christianity uh, is this hypersexualization of our culture. Uh, just this intense focused on sexuality and of course our culture right now redefining um, gender, attempting to redefine gender, redefining marriage, redefining sexuality. It's extremely destructive uh, for for our culture um, and obviously a big threat to Christianity. I think this may be the number one thing I've, I've, uh, you know, read a lot about, you know, what people have said over the last 50 years and, you know, this sexualization, um, hypersexualization, I think is a big one. The third is similar to the second that kind of overlap, but this, uh, the disintegration and the, the, the redefining of the family, big threat to Christianity. God created the family. God created one man, one woman, brought them together uh, in, in uh, you know, covenant relationship. That's the definition of marriage. That's all trying, you know, again, the, the redefinition and disintegration, redefining. The fourth is a spirit of division. I believe it's the greatest, one of the greatest threats to the advancement of Christianity. <clears throat> uh, six years ago, Randy, when I wrote this list for the first time, I wrote racial division. And, and, um, and I still believe that's the case, but I think it's broadened now and it's expanded. And we've all seen, especially since really 2016, but intensified in 2020, that people have actually lifted their political identity up even beyond uh, above their Christian identity. So we're seeing people raise their identity, even gender identity, political uh, ethnicity, all these things are being lifted above their Christian identity. And it just creates this tremendous polarization. Um, and it's impact, it's impacting the church. The fifth is an interesting one. And I don't think, you know, I know Bayside is probably not experiencing this. We're not experiencing this. We're experiencing growth, but there is a decline in people's commitment to the local church. And I think, um, the generations coming, you know, the, the younger generations think church is an option rather than a, a responsibility. And even though our churches are growing and, you know, we're seeing great things happen, I think you're starting to see this a little bit of a theological shift of like, uh, I can serve Jesus, but I don't have to serve his church. And so that's a problem. It's a problem for the church. It's something that we need to, 
we need to address. So at the end of the day, you know, the Old Testament calls us watchmen. I mean, and, you know, we are to watch over people's souls. And, and I think that means watching over culture, identifying the threats, and then, you know, doing what we can to resist the winds of culture from blowing, from blowing people off of, you know, having the, having the right perspective. Um, so uh, I could go in any other direction that you want to go in, but I do think defining the issues mm-hmm. is a, is a huge part of it. Sure. Uh, and then taking God's word and, you know, teaching the word of God around these different subjects. Sure. I think yeah. it's huge. And I think that's the definition of relevance. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Bible talks about um, that when Jesus taught, they were amazed. The people were amazed because he spoke as someone who had authority because he was answering questions that people were asking. I think that's the definition of being relevant. So Mm. people are asking questions around these issues. So it's our responsibility, I think, to take God's word and bring clarity. What does God say about it? And, and, um, you know, what does that mean for me? So I love it. That's a, that's a great, it's great stuff. You know, when I think about where the position that pastors and leaders and churches stand, meaning representing Christ to the world, but knowing the world so we can relate to them and, and the culture has shifted so much. I, I literally, the other day I was thinking about how much it shifted and this will give you the perspective. When, when I grew up or do you just rewind 30 years ago, <clears throat> think of life in America mm-hmm. and the average family and person that would say they're a Christian in America versus now versus 30 years ago. Well, you were talking about music and, you know, all the things that, that people have, have been involved in and what they wouldn't even show Elvis Presley on TV mm-hmm. because of his quote gyrations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. now how mm-hmm. laughable is that? Okay. Now. So we're dealing with people. Well, what is acceptable now is nothing compared to what it was right. 30 yep. years ago, even 20 years ago, how much it's shifted and think of the, the speed with which the world is moving now. Well, 30 years ago, businesses weren't even open on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Because they went to church. Well, now yep. All, yep. all many dollar and kids sports and all these other things and stores and shops being open, chasing the almighty dollar has kept people away from church. Then you also have the integration of technology. And yeah. listen how fast this happened. This blew me away when I re-looked at this because it's a lot closer than you realize. The first iPhone wasn't released until 2007. Wow. So all of these things are, have been introduced in our culture. And then you have a thing like a pandemic who it just exasperates all of this stuff, sure. pulling people away from the church more. So the decline of people involved in church, it's worse now than it's ever been. So we have people that we are called to reach who know less about God and what his word says and his biblical worldview and his worldview of the world. Mm-hmm. It's so different now. And how do we speak to all of that? But what you said, John, I think is brilliant mm-hmm. because the, the the context is that when Jesus was left behind by his parents in Jerusalem, they had to go back to find him and they found him in the temple. And it says they were asking him questions and they were amazed at his answers. Yep. I think for you and I and leaders to speak to culture right now, we have to first be great questioners. 
Mm. Ask questions. Seek understanding because it is in that you learn about people. Of course, Jesus already knew what's in the hearts and the minds of people, but it's a good example for us. We don't. And we need to ask those things. And then it allows you to speak to those things. And that's why they were amazed at his answers because Mm -hmm. he first was asking questions. And I think that is a great launching pad for all of us to realize how distant the world is from where we are Mm -hmm. or where we grew up or where they should be and start asking questions so that you can begin to speak to wisdom based on what the word of God says. So good. Very good. Love that. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, we did something in 2020 in, you know, when middle of the pandemic, George, the George Floyd, when he was killed and just the racial, all the racial mm-hmm. protests broke out, man, rough summer, in June and July. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was the lowest point because George Floyd was killed May 25th. Um, and it just, I mean, the world went unhinged and, and we did a thing with our, African-American staff, Leslie and I just started having lunch. We just started having these lunches with, we kept it to six. We only had six, maybe seven people in the room besides us and um, lunch. uh, And we just went around the room and said, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. And how are you doing with all this? What, what are you seeing? You know, which, what you're seeing on TV, what you've experienced and man, Randy, that just that simple question, like you're saying, ask the questions just sitting there listening and just grieving with some of the, our team and hearing some of their stories, some of them older, some of them younger, but all of them had faced a certain level of racism and challenges in their life. And just listening, uh, you know, was, was, was super, was super powerful. I love that idea of asking questions. I think that's so, that's so spot on because it makes, it doesn't make us come across as like we're the experts, right? We're the we're the right. pastors, we're the spiritual leaders, we're the actually we're, that's what I did during that season that you were yeah. talking about as a leader. I started realizing there are things going on in this world that I think I know about, but I don't know because yeah. I don't live in other people's worlds. I, I submit that we are all prejudiced. Yeah. I'm not saying we're racist, but here's what I mean by prejudice. We look at things and we see things from lenses because of the way we were brought up experiences we were we've had all of those things doesn't make us bad it just means that we have a tendency to view things from our shoe rather than a view from another shoe 100 so i started gathering people that thought differently than i did people of different color people of different sexual uh orientation and i literally started sitting down with them and asking questions yeah because i said i'm not doing this as a pastor I'm doing this as a person. Mm. I want to understand Very good. what you're thinking and feeling. It's going to make me a better pastor, mm-hmm. but that's not why I'm doing this. And I begin to just ask questions. And I'm telling you, I had so many light bulb moments. Then after you do that, it allows you then to begin to speak to culture from the Bible. But now you have understanding. And I think that's what gives mm-hmm. people buy-in because you now are speaking from their point of view. Yeah, I, I think as leaders, that's that's where we have to start for sure. You said something so, that's real important right there. I just want to draw out the the fact that you asked the questions and were willing to listen. You weren't listening from a standpoint of let me create my defense, you know, or let me let mm-hmm. me create my own uh, reply while you're speaking. 
and your humility is huge in these moments uh you know because it draw i think humility draws out of the person that you're you're talking to it draws out draws honesty out of them and a sense of safety for them to be able to bear their soul and then for us to be able to learn right you can't learn unless you're humble you can't learn and really grow unless you have a humility toward whatever topic or person you know you're you're addressing anyway just throwing. you know the good news with this problem that i see right now is that uh it, it was I, I felt this in my heart recently and uh just so happens some george barna research that just came out the end of last year mm -hmm. reinforced this idea and that is people are looking for truth one thing the pandemic did is it 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 escalated culture moving away from god but it's created now something that is perfect i mean the church has never been set up in this country better than it is right now this is the hope of all of these things that we've been through people now adults in america from this survey 74% of adults in america are looking for truth and believe that there's a supernatural power wow and they want it mm -hmm. amazing so what that means is that we are the antidote to their greatest need. And in fact, younger generations, millennials and Zers, mm -hmm. they, uh, it's 77%. They want to know where truth is and they believe that there's a supernatural power. Wow. And then we as the church have the answer to all that. So if you start out by trying to understand who they are and then you speak to it, from that point of view, and we have the answers because, yes, we have truth. The word of God is the only truth. And we can get them in touch with a supernatural experience with God. Wow, we are so set up. Now, the problem has been for us, and this is what I've been trying to solve, John, and I want you to speak into this, is what have you guys done to train your staff how to understand what you've been through so they can relate to those coming in the doors mm -hmm. in such a way that you can you're not just going to be good because you preach good on the weekend and you had the POV there, but all of your team and all of your staff are leading the same way. And that's, that's been a great challenge for us mm -hmm. helping that get dis, dis, uh, disintegrated and uh, dissected all the way down into staff. And especially to add to that, especially if you've got staff that are being challenged in their own faith walk and belief system mm -hmm. because of culture. So yeah. So what are some things that you guys, you guys have done over at Life Church? Well, I think, you know, I think about, I think about two things that, um, you know, two specific things. Um, I, I, I guess, let me back up just to say, I think that kind of the, the, the big picture ideas are, um, you, you know, you define the issues. Um, you realize the Bible is the, is the answer. God's word is the answer. Um, you, you, like I just mentioned, you know, you humility is essential, but then just giving clarity. And I think, I think clarity is key in, in, in the confusion and the chaos of, of culture. It's cutting through with, with clear, this is, um, this is what we believe. Um, this is our answer. And this is what we're going to kind of, this is what we're going to do. Um, in 2018, I think it was, or 2019, I just felt totally led by the Holy Spirit to connect, um, to connect someone on our team um, that can help us 
process uh, soul issues, soul care, mental, mm. mental health, anxiety. And it's crazy because it was really kind of before the whole wave of, you know, right. uh, the soul of, ministry stuff, yeah. freedom ministry. Yeah. yeah. I met a guy um, named Dr. Andy Yarbrough, who's been, who's been um, a lot of churches are using him now. Phenomenal. And I just kind of interviewed him, talked to him, got more, more and more comfortable. He's from, he's, he's, uh, he's in Baton Rouge, Randy. He's with Bethany. He's, he goes to church at Bethany. Young guy had, had, he was on staff at Bethany. Then he started his own practice. And, um, and he had a, he has a real heart for the church. He understands the mega church and the church in general. But, um, and so we got him on retainer. I started bringing him in once a month, um, started doing these soul care seminars. And then we, now he, he meets with our team and he's developed a whole process. Well, I didn't even realize how critical that would be mm-hmm. and what a game changer that has been for our church. He's developed, he's helping us develop a whole kind of staff soul care ministry preventative because uh, a lot of it needs to be preventative uh, taking care of yourself before you have a crash before you but the levels of anxiety as we all know are just crazy crazy numbers of people are are sad all the time are um, are are anxious uh, there's a lot of trauma that has come out as a result of, of covid or revealed so it was a great revealer covid was so um that would be one one practical thing that I try to tell pastors is um, lean into this mental health um, uh, sort of wave, you know, lean into it, get somebody, get somebody on the team, get, get, get involved with this, start preaching about it and, and figure out how to give your staff tools to deal with personal anxiety themselves, but also how they, how they, um, how they can, you know, how they can process it themselves, but then how they, what's the language that we're using and what are we doing right. in groups and different things in the church? So that, that, that's one thing, one thought I had. The other thought that, that we're doing practically is um, I have this passion for, we all do, I know, but just for this biblical literacy issue that I think we're yes. seeing now generations that are coming up that just don't even know the Bible. I mean, they don't, right. they don't even know about Noah and the flood and the the main you know, major Bible stories. And so, um, We've connected again. This is kind of another partnership. We've connected with a guy named Manny Arango. I don't know if you guys know Manny. Uh, just a phenomenal preacher. He's 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 a millennial. He's a young guy, um, and he just has a super uh, incredible revelation and passion for God's word. Mm. Uh, he has started this thing called Arma courses. And Arma is, I think, it's Latin for the armor of God or something, but. So we brought him in. He's preached. He preaches for us consistently, and um, and he's developing our all of our young communicators and all the pastors and preachers. And we're going through a process. We're starting it. We're actually starting it this year, where we we're, we're he's helped us build our whole preaching calendar. So over the next thirty six months, uh, let's 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 say if somebody kind of connects into church and stays around for 36 months, by the end of those 36 months through just our preaching schedule and our sermon series, they, you know, we will have felt like we've done our part to, to give them a biblical worldview and to give them some sense of. That's so good. That's really cool. And it's really only what's fascinating is, you know, the church doesn't really know it, you know, cause we're still doing our creative series titles and all that kind of stuff. But, 
you know, at least 14 weeks, I think it's 12 to 14 weeks of the year are just pressing in to some big, um, you know, topics like genres and, and context and, and, yep. and narratives, just different things that, um, so, you know, we got to do our part, right. To make sure that people know God's word, if they're hungry for it, then, then we're going to give it in a, in a, in a way that, you know, over a couple of years, three years, they'll have a solid biblical foundation. So those are two things that I think practically, um, you know, we're, we're leaning into and trying to get better, better with better at, however you want to say that. Um, that's really, that's really, really good stuff. I, I love that. It's a whole new way of looking at the preaching calendar yeah, and making sure you give that to them because biblical literacy is a big deal. That's why the culture is the way it is because they don't have the right worldview. And I know and, I was, and, and, and that's why. Sorry to interrupt you. And that's why during COVID we saw 40, 35, 40 percent of our church washed away. Yeah. yeah. Paul, Paul said in Ephesians four that you would that you would grow up and stop being children tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching. So we, we saw these winds blow through during COVID and mm -hmm. blew people right out of the church because they had no solid footing in the word of God. And, and I, you know, it's not all our fault, but we do have to take some responsibility for it that somehow we didn't root people and ground people enough in God's word that when, you know, the winds of adversity blew, yeah, they were mm -hmm. gone. So anyway, so yeah, we don't, we don't have people like when I was saying earlier, 20 or even more 30 years ago, if you were church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, right. You were getting the word of God all the time. Now you get them for 35 minutes, maybe once a month they come. So how do you change their biblical worldview in that short of time? And I think what's important is to realize that I can't do it in a 35 minutes. So I have to figure out how to empower my staff to live this because true culture you know, you don't get it because you heard a teaching on it. You get it because you're in community with someone. Mm. And so that's where the real strength of church comes. So what I realized through all of this is that the people that got me here are not going to be with me there. In other words, I'm going to lose certain staff because they were great for where I am, but they're not going to go with me where I'm going. And we saw this in Jesus ministry. Think about it. Sure. Jesus had large crowds. He teaches a message, message about eating flesh and drinking blood. Okay, the people that got him there were not going to get him where he was going. As he got closer and closer to the cross and to his purpose, he didn't grow in followers. They actually became less and less. Yeah. So what we have to realize is there is going to be a pruning process, and COVID did this for us anyway in a lot of ways. Prune the church, which has now set us up for growth. But I remember there being staff who did not have the same biblical worldview that I have, right? which doesn't mean that mine's right, but I mean, they didn't have a biblical worldview. They were a little bit too worldly to, to be all godly. And we need to understand the world, but we, we can't be of it. We just are in it. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of that surfaced. And then those people, as I begin to share with our staff, reminding them, we are a God first organization, which yeah. means we prioritize his word and what his word says, we love everyone, but we don't agree with everyone. Mm -hmm. And so that's who we are. And as I begin to tell staff that, and so I begin to go back to teaching some biblical basics, the inherency of word of God, 
marriage and family and sexual identity and yep. uh, honoring one another. Mm-hmm. And all of these things that you mentioned earlier was kind of the acid test that you look at every year and saying, where are we? I started teaching those things to our staff and teaching series on the weekend that this is who we are. And you don't have to agree with it. Well, if you're on staff, if you're going to be on staff, you have to agree with it. Okay. But if not, you can come to the church, but this is, but no, this is who we are and we're not going to change. And then God began to weed those people out. And then now our staff healthier than it's ever been before. Yep. So now I'm at a new phase where now I'm trying to give them labs so they can have discussions around these topics where the world has them a little bit confused. They're biblical in their worldview, but they don't know how to stand on that. So we've been to create in our staff meetings labs for them to ask questions. Why is it this way? How do we handle this? What do we say about these things? What do we say about that? And so we have these open discussions where I am, along with my leadership team, giving them biblical worldview on these things so that our staff can own them and carry those into conversations when they have a parent with a high schooler who has mm-hmm. sexual identity issues. How do we handle that? Mm-hmm. And so I think if we can get it right, starting from the grassroots and our staff, then that's through that community and them carrying that to the church gives us the greatest opportunity, mm-hmm. I think to preserving godly biblical values in this culture. I I love that, Randy. You know, I'm thinking about this while you're saying that, while you're telling me this, the book of Acts was mostly the Apostle Paul engaged in conversations like you're talking about. Most of the time he's going to the synagogue or going to the marketplace and he's just engaged in conversations. People asking him questions, he's answering questions. I mean, there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of preaching in the book of Acts too, but so much of it is conversational and mm-hmm. community, like you mentioned earlier. And that's how you really am. I, ultimately, that's how you really are impacting culture. You're strengthening those bonds between people. In, in that same passage in Ephesians 4, where Paul said, um, um, you know, you know, grow up so so the winds, you know, don't blow you. He he talks about being joined together. And and the I think it's the New King James Version says, but joined together uh uh by what you know, and every every where where every joining brings a supply, meaning there's a supply that comes into my life. And I think about our relationship, Randy, for you know, whatever 20 something years or more, we've been in relationship we're connected in community and there's a supply that comes into my life from you. And there's a supply that goes into your life that comes from me. It's that it's those God joined joints. It's the body of Christ. And it doesn't happen in a Sunday morning preaching environment. We need that. We need that, but it happens in community and it happens in relationship. And there's a supply that God brings into our life. That is it's supernatural. It's not the same supply you get from, from your 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 family, unless they're Christians or or your your other friends or coworkers, it's supernatural when you're connected in in into the body of Christ. It's the same word in the Greek where Jesus said, "What God has joined together, let no one separate." And we know He's talking about marriage in that context, but but it's a bigger picture than that. He's talking about covenant relationship mm-hmm. that when you're joined together in community and covenant relationship, there's a supply that God brings into your life that brings strength. It brings understanding. It brings clarity. It brings accountability. It brings peace. 
so anyway, I love that. I love that idea. That's a, that's, that's a cool idea. The lab, the laboratory. Come on, baby. We creating labs down here. <laughs> Be that lab. Oh, this is so good. I guys, we could talk on and on, but I unfortunately, our time, your your commute that you just listened to this and you're sitting <laughs> in the parking lot waiting for it to finish has come to an end. And uh, but we might have to pick up this conversation a little later because yeah. this is really, really rich and really uh very right now. Um man. But so we good. appreciate you, John, so much and sharing oh, uh sharing so so many rich things we just thank you so much for being a part of the conversation today i am so honored thank you for having me it's been a blast john thank you my friend it's always great i'll see you soon at the art conference we're gonna be in birmingham alabama this year i'll see be you there. there amy can't wait to hang out with leslie yeah so thanks for being on this your wisdom your insight it's always rich thanks thanks randy appreciate it Yes. And for those of you that are listening, uh, if you'd like to learn more, uh, John, you've got a website, johnsiebling.com, and that's got all sorts of links. I know you've written a book, uh, co-authored a book on race in the church as well. Uh, recently, you 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 released that. Was that last year? Um, yep. and as well as all sorts of resources. Um, so listeners, I encourage you to check that out, johnsiebling.com. And uh, again, thank you so much, sir. Uh, thank you, uh, listeners, for joining us for this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. We'll see you next time. 